Today we're jumping back into our study in the book of Acts, and so I want to encourage you to take your Bible and open it to Acts chapter 9, and we're going to begin in verse 32 today. So where we are, as you're turning in your Bibles, we've been seeing the, the work of God in the early church, and, and early on it, it focused on Peter and the other apostles, and, um, but we, we just saw, we started to get a glimpse in the story of Stephen uh, about a man named Saul, and, and then this, uh, the past couple of weeks, we looked at Saul and and what's going on with him, Saul, who will become Paul, and eventually uh, his ministry will be the focal point uh, of the book of the last half of the book of Acts, really. But here we kind of switch back a little bit uh, to uh, a focus on Peter, and uh, we'll be looking at, at something, a ministry he was a part of today, and then especially as we move into chapter 10 and the conversion of Cornelius, which is a huge part of the spread of the gospel. Um, and so today we look at um, some travels and some things that, that Peter did. I want to ask if you would please stand. And we read Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 32. Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place, and he came down to visit the believers in the town of Lydda. There he met a man named Aeneas who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydda and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around, and they turned to the Lord. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was staying nearby at Lydda. So they sent two men to beg him, Please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them. And as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes that Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them to leave the room. And then he knelt and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in all the widows and all the believers, and he presented her to them alive. The news spread through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon, a tanner of hides. The word of God for the people of God. So Lucy comes to her big brother, Charlie Brown, and she says, Charlie Brown, would you please help me with my homework? I would be eternally grateful. Charlie looks over at work. Doesn't seem too bad. He says, sure, I'd, I'd be glad to help. I've never had anyone be eternally grateful to me before. So what you do is you take 
subtract 10, subtract 4 from 10, and you'll get the number of apples that the farmer has left. And Lucy says, that's it? That's it? I have to be eternally grateful for that? I was robbed. I was robbed. There's no way I should be eternally grateful for that. And so Charlie Brown says, well, whatever you think. And she said, how about I just say, thanks, brother. So he walks outside, and Linus sees him, and he says, Charlie Brown, where you been? He says, I've been helping my sister uh, Lucy with her homework. Well, was she grateful? And Charlie Brown says, yeah, at greatly reduced prices. (laughs) Well, some of us are kind of like Lucy. We ought to be eternally grateful for all that God has done for us, and we know that in our heads. But when it comes to real-life, everyday gratefulness, If we're honest, if there was a a graph or a chart of gratefulness in our life, you know, sometime around around Thanksgiving, there'd be a high peak when we're all reminded how grateful we should be. And maybe when there's certain answered prayers in our lives, there might be some other peaks. But the rest of the time, that graph could be real, real low as we forget to be grateful. Now, if someone came up and asked us, are you grateful to God for your blessings? We would automatically give the Sunday school answer and say, oh yes, I'm grateful to God for my blessings. But gratitude in our heart and displayed in our lives uh, would not really show up all that often. It's one of those things we know we should be, we ought to be, and yet we struggle to make that a reality and a practice in our life. So today I want us to talk about that. I want us to talk about how how can we uh, develop a habit or a lifestyle of thanksgiving, not just a a one-time-a-year thing, but developing that habit and lifestyle all year round. The first thing we need to do is cultivate a thankful heart. Now, this is not all of it, but this is where it begins. You and I need to cultivate, that is, intentionally work to develop a heart or an attitude of gratefulness. To do that, we have to reject entitlement thinking. This kind of thinking has has come into our society, invaded and permeated our society uh, in ways we don't even recognize. We... Not the others out there, because we notice it very well in other people, right? You entitled, you know. But when we think about others, let's think about ourselves. How do we as a country, how do we as people get into this place where we feel so entitled to everything? When we do that, nobody's grateful for anything. Because we deserved it, after all. Why should we be grateful for it if we have entitlement thinking? And we also were never happy when we're entitled, Because we're always focusing on what we deserve, what we should have gotten, what we didn't get if we had that entitlement type of thinking. So you and I, if we're going to cultivate gratefulness, we have to put out of our heads this thinking about what I deserve and what I ought to get and making that the center of our lives. But there's a second thing that we have to reject, and that's prideful arrogance. This hits a lot of us who say, oh yeah, those entitled people, I can't stand them, they don't work hard, but I work hard, I make things happen in my life, I pull myself up by my bootstraps, I, 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 I. And we talk about all that we have done. But the reality is is that none of us is completely self-made. Humanly speaking, parents, teachers, friends, and others have all contributed to who we are. They have all touched our lives and enriched our lives in many ways. None of us did it by ourselves. And beyond the human level, all of it 
comes from God. Paul reminded the Corinthians of that in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Remember the Corinthian bunch? One of the things about them is they were an extremely talented and gifted bunch of believers. And so he was constantly having to remind them, look, yes, you are blessed, you are talented, you guys have a lot of things going on, but guess what? It didn't come from you. You can't take credit for all of this stuff. And he says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you were not given? In other words, you're talented, who gave you that talent? You're hardworking, who gave you the ability to work? Yeah, that's great that you have that attitude, but guess what? You could be physically or mentally disabled where you weren't able to do those things. And so, yes, it's great to have a sense of accomplishment and purpose in our lives. God gave us challenges and hard work to fulfill our duties and our callings for him. But we should never get to that place of entitlement or of I did it all by myself. Both of those keep us from having a grateful heart. We need to realize that what we do is just one part of how we've been blessed by others and how we've been blessed by God. And we need to work on that when we get those ungrateful feelings. Don't we have to deal with that at Christmas time? When gifts start coming up, and (laughs) sometimes we can even predict when it comes from a certain person, you're like, this is not going to be good. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be something I hate. They gave me the same thing last year, but I'm going to have to open it, and I'm going to have to pretend to be grateful. And maybe we simply need to adjust our hearts to say, you know, it doesn't matter what's in that box, but just the fact that they gave, just the fact that they're trying to do something nice and work on our, our attitude and our heart of gratefulness. Secondly, beyond cultivating that inner attitude, you and I need to give what we've used, excuse me, we need to use what we've been given. When I was visiting in the hospital this past week, uh, I saw near the elevator, one of my very favorite verses in the Bible posted right there at the elevator, and it's 1 Peter 4.10. And that verse says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. In other words, we've all been gifted, we've all been blessed by God, each one of us. That's not some big blanket statement where there's a few exceptions. No, every single one of us have been gifted by God, and we should use those gifts to do what? To build ourselves up? No. We should use those things to serve others. Because God has given his grace to us, and we should administer that grace. We should spread that grace to others. We often fail to use the gifts that we've been given. And that is a shame. We have too much. We don't need it. We don't want it. But every gift that God has given us is for a purpose. Could you imagine the scene if Peter had said, Aeneas! God has healed you. Stand up and walk. And he said, I'm good. I kind of like it down here. I'm kind of used to this bed. It's, it's real comfy, you know. And uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd rather not. Now, that'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? I mean, that would be crazy. Of course, he leaps up. And, and he begins to walk. And he begins to, to use this gift of healing that God has given him. What did this lady, uh, Tabitha, the Bible says she was called Tabitha in one language, in another language she was called Dorcas. And here's what's interesting. In the Greek and the Aramaic, 
Both of those words mean gazelle. So you get this picture of Tabitha as a person who is constantly running around trying to help people. She couldn't sit still. She always was thinking, who's in some need? Who can I bless? Apparently, she was this amazing seamstress. And so when Peter shows up, all these widows who she's made stuff for, they're all like showing him their coats and their clothes. You know, you can imagine one pulls him aside and says, look at this. It used to be a stubborn old camel that did me no good, but now it's a great camel jacket. You know, and, and they're all just showing it off, and, and they're so thankful because Tabitha took her gift that she could have just used for herself and made herself the finest clothes around and, and, and nobody else. But she used that gift to bless other people. And all of us have gifts and talents, and God has given them to us to be used to spread his grace. Just like he pours into our lives, uh, we are to, to be channels, that those blessings just flow right through. We're blessed to be a blessing. Cultivate a thankful heart. Then take those gifts that you've been given and, and, and use them. And finally, not only use them, but tell others what God has done for you. Tell others what God has done for you. You know, many of us, when it comes to sharing our faith, we are um, we're intimidated. You know, we're like, I, I don't know how to do this. I'm not a theologian. I, I'm not a great public speaker. I'm not very bold. But, you know, all of us can share good news. I mean, really. Look at the number of brag posts you see on Facebook and all of social media. We can all share good news. We can all talk about good things. Man, I was, I was so happy uh, to see Kyle's mother had posted a video of, of him walking. You know, as we continue to think about uh, those four kids and, and what they went through and their recovery, and it's great to see God being given credit and glory for the work that he has been doing. We get so intimidated about sharing our faith, but one of the easiest things that all of us can do is simply say, you know, God has really blessed me. God has done this for me. He's touched me. That's all these people did. You know, remember back in, in chapter 3, there was that lame man, and, and, and Peter healed him uh, then, and, and he, the Bible says he jumps up, and he was walking and leaping and praising God. He was no eloquent speaker. He was just a beggar. But he could praise God for what had been done. And Aeneas and this man, we don't get to hear their conversation from, from Aeneas and from Tabitha, but we know because the word spread all around that they were telling, they were talking, they were telling, and people were hearing about it, and they were passing it on. In fact, every time in Acts when you see healings taking place, almost every time you hear about a great number of people that come to the Lord. Was it because these people were all of a sudden awesome theologians or great evangelists? No. They simply said, wow, God did this. Guess what? Let me tell you the great news. God has blessed me. And they spread that word. And you and I can do that same thing. When we're blessed, rather than say, wow, I sure did get lucky. Wow, I sure really pulled it together and had a great year. I, I accomplished this great thing. If we would simply stop and declare, you know what? God did this. 
And God, not only am I grateful in my heart, not only am I going to acknowledge what you gave me and and use it to bless others, but I'm going to tell other people about it. I'm going to share with others what you've done for me. Several years ago, Fortune magazine ran an article about Bill Gates. He was attending a medical convention or a scientific convention. And they were recognizing him at the time as being the richest man in American history. No one had ever had the wealth, the billions that he had. And so a doctor stood up who happened to actually be a medical doctor and have a Ph.D. in philosophy. And everybody was asking Bill Gates all these other questions, you know, about business or about his computer smarts. And this doctor said, Bill, if you went blind... If you suddenly lost your eyesight, what would you give to get it back? And without a hesitation, Bill Gates said, all of it. I'd give all of my billions to get back my sight if I lost it. It reminds us that our priorities in life are so often out of whack. And how often we fail to realize the blessings, and the gifts that we've been given. I want to encourage you to make a conscious effort. Yes, definitely at Thanksgiving with your family and friends, be thankful. But make a determination in your life that this is just a starting point. This isn't just a a stop on the calendar that you visit once a year. But that you want to choose to cultivate a lifestyle of gratefulness beginning in the attitude of your heart, using those blessings to touch others, and telling others, giving praise to God for the way you've been blessed. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much for your amazing grace, love, and mercy that you've touched us with. We are a blessed people in so, so many ways. God, you have given us abundance beyond the vast majority of people who have ever lived. God, you have touched us with gifts and abilities and talents. You've allowed us to be born in a nation where we're free to worship you. Most of all, you've given us that greatest gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Lord, if there's anyone here today who's never trusted you for their salvation, they've never acknowledged that they're a sinner in need of a Savior and that you have made the sacrifice for their sins on the cross, today I pray that they would put their faith in you to believe you and to begin a life of following you. Father, for those of us who are believers, God, I ask that you fill our hearts with gratitude. Lord, the world around us constantly, the the, the attitudes, even the advertisements, everything is designed to make us discontent with what we have and make us want a little more. Father, may we reject that worldly influence. And Lord, may we realize that true riches are not found in material things, but in a relationship with you. God, I ask that you would bless our time now, this invitation to discipleship. 
Lord, may we respond to you as you have called us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altar is open for you to come and to kneel and pray. I'll be down front to receive you if you have a prayer request. If you have a private um, decision or if you have a public decision to make, like joining this church or committing to a calling in ministry, whatever it is that God is putting on your heart, you respond to him in thanksgiving and obedience.